Hey, real quick before you begin this message, we didn't record this in our normal space, so the audio quality is not up to uh, our standards. So we wanted to apologize for that, but we still want you to enjoy uh, the message. Hey, if it's your first time here, we are super glad you're here. We love having new people, new faces uh, to join the party. And man, we're glad you're here. We're starting a new series tonight, and uh, it's going to be about Jesus. We talk about Jesus a lot here. Uh, it's just what we do. And we're simply, for the next few weeks, going to be looking at some really uh, some, some foundational things about Jesus. Really, the, we're going to answer this question several times, uh, Jesus is. And we're going to kind of fill the blank in every week and talk about that a little bit more. Now, here's the thing. If you've never heard of Jesus, I, I, I doubt that's the case, because here's the thing. Jesus uh, I believe this, and I, I think if you would want to put me to the test, Jesus is the most famous person in all of human history. Like Jesus, bar none, is the most famous person in all of human history. There is no one more loved than Jesus. And at the same time, there's probably no one more hated than Jesus. There's, there's, more, there's been more songs sung to him, and there's been more artwork, artwork created of him, and more books written about him than anyone who has ever lived. In fact, Jesus does this. He hangs, I don't know if you know, realize this or not, but he hangs largely over human history. Actually, we measure the years by him. We measure time by Jesus. Uh, maybe you've been in, in uh, history class in our years, the calendar actually divided uh, by the birth of Jesus. If you've ever been in history class, you've heard of uh, when they go way back in history class, or maybe you've been in geology or something like that, like they go back to B.C. And actually that stands for when you go back to 700 B.C. Uh, to look at uh, whatever was happening back then. I don't know my history of 700 B.C., my bad. Um, but he, it means before Christ. And if you go on the other side of Jesus' birth, it's A.D. It's this uh, fancy word, Anno Domini. It means the year of our Lord. So like if you go back 2,022 years, that's the day Jesus was born. Like Jesus' birth splits our calendar. Like when you write down on your paper today, if you had a quiz or whatever it may be, whenever you wrote the date, 2022, you were writing the 2022 because of the birth of Jesus Christ. But so many people just want to dismiss Jesus, but yet he is everywhere. He's all over the place. There is no army. There is no nation. There is no leader. There is no person that has changed human history to the degree that Jesus Christ has. No one has changed history like Jesus. The name of Jesus is actually from the Old Testament. It's a, it's, it kind of comes from a, a very normal name that you even hear nowadays. It's from uh, the name Joshua. And it has this meaning, it would be Yahweh, God is salvation. Roughly 2,000 years ago, if you don't know much about Jesus, about 2,000 years ago, 2,022 years uh, ago, if you want to be precise, Jesus was born in a really small town. Really small, rural town. Um, really tiny, tiny town. His, his mom was, was, was poor, we know, because when it came time to have Jesus, she did not have a place to stay. Um, she was, he was born to a, a, an unwed, probably teenager, who was engaged to be married. She never lay with a man. She, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon her, and she became pregnant. It's the, the virgin birth. Maybe you've heard that. That's what that is talking about there with this miraculous thing with Mary. Well, well Jesus was adopted by Mary in a, a simple um, hammer-swinging carpenter. We see in the Bible his name was Joseph. 
don't know a lot about Joseph. We just know his, what he kind of did, that he was this, this carpenter. And probably Jesus, for the first 30 years of his life, did what his daddy did. He, 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 he's his earthly daddy. He, he swung a hammer, built furniture. Some people may, he, he may have been a mason, like that type of building. We really don't know. But some type of work with his hands, he probably did the same thing his earthly dad did because that's what you uh, did back in the day. Around the age of 30, Jesus began his ministry. Like 30 years old, he hit 30, and he began his, his ministry, his public ministry. And he began to preach. We look at a lot of his teachings uh, all the time. He began to heal sick people, and not like with, with medicine, like miraculously. Like, hey, uh, you can't walk. Why don't, why don't you get up and, and, and do that? Like miraculous healings that, that you just don't see from uh, normal people like uh, you and me. He began to feed the hungry. He began to uh, befriend social misfits. One thing I love about Jesus is he's, he's like the best friend of the tax collectors who everybody hated. I love that he picked fishermen to follow him. He, he chose like political zealots, people who were all about politics, one of the disciples to follow him, all these people that he would bring around him. And his ministry spanned a really short time, like three years, before he was put to death. And the reason he was put to death, if you look back and if you kind of trace it back, he was declaring this, that I am God. And that was a big no-no in the time because people revered God and they said, because you said that, that's really what led to him being killed. And then three days later, after he was killed on a cross, he was raised to life. And the reason he got killed is kind of where we find ourselves tonight. It's the blank that we're going to fill in tonight. Because tonight we're really going to look at this. We're going to look at Jesus, that Jesus is fully God and that he's fully man. And that's something that you and I really, we, we can't pull off, but, but Jesus is uh, the one person who can pull that off. And, and here's the thing, anytime, like the most important question you can ever ask yourself is this, who's God? Like who in the world is Jesus? And, and for the next few weeks, we're going to answer that question. It's a really, really important question to know who God is and to know who Jesus is. And the first thing as we jump off the page, and I think it's really important because the world continues to be incredibly confused if there's a God or who God is. Like there's a lot of confusion about that. Maybe you're one of those people where you're just like, I'm not sure about Jesus. Hopefully you come for the next few weeks and you'll lead in as we, we talk about him, as we, as we see who he is and, and what he did. And as we fill in these blanks, maybe we can fill some blanks in for you when it comes to Jesus um, and who he is. For most of us, if you want to go ahead to that next slide, this is a slide. We believe that God is a triune God. Like you could probably pick the first part of that, the Trinity. Like it's three in one. And this is one of the hardest things to teach, and it's one of the hardest things to understand. I find for myself, like many times, these kind of pictures help me a little bit. Uh, like God, the Father is God, and God is the Son, and then the Holy Spirit is also God, but the Father is not the Holy Spirit. Like it's, it's one of those things that's really, it gets really complicated, and it's really a hard thing to understand. Uh, for some of us, it helps us to put it, I don't think we'll fully understand until heaven what the Trinity really looks like. A lot of people like to use the egg where there's like three parts of it, you know, like the, the, the outside the egg part, and then there's the yolk, and then there's the white part of the egg. If you've ever taken one apart, uh, if you've ever made one, it's kind of that way. Um, it's kind of a, an interesting way to kind of help a little bit of who God is and how it can be. You know, the Father, Spirit, and Son, all three in one. Like, how does that happen? I wish I could uh, explain it a little better, but like for me even, it's one of those things where I'm just like, okay, the Bible says that, I'm going to believe that. 
I, don't, I can't wrap my mind around it. I'm a big, dumb animal, and I just cannot, but I, I know that that's who God is because that's who he says he is. So we're not going to talk about God. We're not going to talk about the Trinity a lot, but we are going to talk about Jesus a lot tonight. And there's three questions when it comes to Jesus, like who he is when it comes to this blank we're filling in tonight. And when it comes to Jesus, we have three choices. We're going to talk about these three choices tonight. We're going to talk a lot about number three because I think that's probably where we should land. The first one is this. Uh, Some people believe this about Jesus, that Jesus is like he was fully God, but he wasn't fully man. I kind of call this like the Clark Kent syndrome. Like, he, he came here to earth like Superman did, and he's Clark Kent, but he really, like, like Clark never, you can't hurt Clark because he's Superman, right? You can't, he never felt any pain because he's, he's Superman. Like, you can't hurt him, you can't injure him. Like, he's just one of those things. And, and many people would say that's kind of how Jesus was. He was, he, you know, he, he was God, yeah, but he really didn't feel the pain on the cross. Like, he really didn't, he really didn't go through sorrow. He really didn't feel, like, what we're going through. Like, he was too, he was fully God. He wasn't really Fully man. Or maybe this is the second one. He was fully man, but not really God. A lot of people fall in this camp. They, they believe Jesus, that, was, that he was just a man, that he was not God. Maybe you've heard of this guy. You'll, you'll see him around a lot. As he's probably one of the most famous people who um, don't believe in God, that Jesus was, was, was fully God and fully man. His name was Thomas Jefferson. If you look back in history, uh, Thomas Jefferson sat down in the White House, and here's what he began to do. In the White House, he, he, he got a Bible out, good place to start when you're trying to find out who Jesus is, and he takes a razor. And here's what he does, he begins to do to the Bible. He sits down with the Bible, with God's holy word that we're given, and that we're going to look at tonight, and he begins to edit the Bible. And he edits the Bible into this thing called the philosophy of Jesus. And here's what stayed. About one in ten verses of Jesus stayed. He took all the miracles. He razored those out because he doesn't believe that Jesus is, is he believes that he's fully man. Like he's a good guy, but he's not fully God. So he began to edit this out. And it, and it turned into, Jesus turns into, when you take the miracles and when you take it that he is God's son, and you take away that he is, he is fully God, he just becomes this, this, this sage and this moral teacher, this good man which he was a good man, and he was a great teacher, but he was much more than that. He was fully God and fully man. Uh, or you can, there's a lot of other people that believe this. Uh, the Jehovah's Witness believe this. Jehovah's Witness believe that Jesus was created by God billions of years ago. That he was created, but he's not equal to God. So they believe this, that he's not fully God, that he's a created being. Uh, another group is the Mormons. They teach that Jesus was firstborn. And one of the great, uh, greatest spirit children of the Heavenly Father and the Heavenly Mother. And they just believe this, that he's not fully God. Now, I'm not, tonight, I'm not disrespecting Jehovah's Witness, or I'm not disrespecting the Mormons, or I'm not even disrespecting Thomas Jefferson tonight. I'm just telling you, this is what they believe. And tonight, I also want to share what I believe. And what I believe the Bible points us to, and it's this. It's number three, that he was fully man and fully God. 
I just want to look real quick at just a few verses tonight. I just want to point out some things that point to Jesus like you can definitely tell that he was fully man and you can definitely tell that he was God. He was like this, this crazy, like fully man and fully God. And it's another thing that kind of blows our mind. Uh, go ahead to this next verse. This is actually uh, the shortest verse in the Bible. If you're looking to memorize some scripture, this is the one you'd always go to back in the day because you knew you could memorize this one. When I grew up at church, uh, like when we'd come like you did, we had this thing. It was, it was like when we were little kids. It was called whirlybirds. Okay, and what you did is you had this sweet beanie. I don't even know if there's ever been a sweet beanie. Uh, but this sweet beanie, and it had a little, like, uh, a rotator thing on the top, like a little helicopter thing. And you, when you would say your memory verses, you got a patch. And the patches go on the beanie, and you're walking around with a bunch of other kids looking like idiots. And I just can't believe it. And we'd have to memorize scripture, and we'd get this thing put on our beanies. And it was whirlybirds. I don't know why. This is one that you go to because it's the shortest verse in the Bible. But here's the thing with this verse. I love this verse, and here's why I love this verse. It points to the humanity of Jesus. It points to how human Jesus is. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, but it's so full for me personally, and it's so this, this verse is so full of theological, like deep things that we see about God. And it's interesting how much power and truth can come out of the shortest verse of the Bible. We see in this verse that Jesus wept, and the reason that he weeps is because one of his best friends has died. In John chapter 11, one of Jesus' best friends, his name was Lazarus, has passed away, and he's in the tomb. And he sees, he sees Lazarus' sisters crying because they're broken. And he hears other people crying. And, and it affects Jesus. And he says that he's moved to compassion. And he weeps because he's hurt. And he weeps because he's, he's human. And he weeps because he was fully man. He didn't just cover himself with humanness. Right? It, it wasn't a, a mask that Jesus put on. He was fully human. He became flesh and took on our flesh. And he took on emotion. And he took on pain and things like that. If you look at his life, he has a lot of things that just like you and me, like they're, they're pretty normal things. He was born of a woman. He had the normal body of flesh and bones. He grew up as a boy. He probably, like you this morning, he woke up with bedhead. All right? He probably at 13, the dude probably had pimples. Okay? He was fully man. He grew up, had to go through all of that stuff. He, he grew up as a boy, had a family, obeyed his parents. He worshiped God like you are tonight. He got hungry and thirsty, it tells us in Scripture. That he's fully man and he's, he's fully God. He, he asked for information. He was astonished. He was happy. I believe this. I believe he told jokes. You don't walk around with 12 of your buddies for three years, two in life, and not telling jokes and, 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 and playing, you know, hanging with one another and exaggeration and all these types of things. He had compassion. He had friends that loved him. He, had, he gave encouraging compliments. He loved kids. He celebrated birthdays. Jesus went to parties. He was fully human. He was invited to a lot of the parties. They wanted Jesus at the party. And the last one, he loved his mama. All right? He was fully human. One of my favorite things in the past couple of years to really see the human side of Jesus, because we many times we lean on the God side of what he's done, like the miraculous stuff. One of my favorite pictures I've, I've seen in the past couple of years is this series called The Chosen. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's uh, free to download. It's an app. It's free on, on Google as well. And it's really this picture, this beautiful picture of Jesus. Uh, there's a clip I wanted to have. I couldn't find it. The one of them is he's at this wedding, and he's dancing, and he's laughing, and he's having this great time at this wedding feast. Uh, it's just a beautiful clip. There's another clip I, I found that I want to show, and I just want you to watch 
We're going to see both sides of Jesus here. We're going to see like the human side, the humanity, and we're going to see the, the deity, the God side. Backstory of this clip is uh, he is at this place called the Pool of Salome. Pool of Salome was this pool of water, and, and a lot of times people who were paralyzed or who couldn't walk or who were sick would stand around this, this pool of water. Most scholars believe that it was some kind of hot spring and it would bubble at certain times. And like the, the legend was, if you were the first person in the water when it bubbled, like you would be healed. Like first person of cannonball, like woohoo, come on. Like there's a bubble. I mean, uh, like I don't know what, what it is, but this is where we find the story. Let's watch this clip. And I just want you to pick up on the humanity uh, of Jesus a little bit here. The Chosen does a, such a beautiful job of showing the humanity of Jesus. And there's another side to the humanity of Jesus that uh, isn't always so pretty. You, you need to know this, that Jesus went through some really difficult times, being fully God, fully man. And I know some of you think Jesus doesn't understand what we're going through, the, the, the drama, the, the difficulties we've been through. And I, I just want to tell you, if you look at the list of things that Jesus went through, I bet you'd find yourself somewhere on the list. I mean, Jesus went through all kinds of things. He was tempted in every way, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 4. Every single way that we're tempted, Jesus was tempted, yet he did not fall to it. Like, he understands when you're like, man, I don't want to go back to that again. He, he gets that. Jesus had lots of, he encountered loss over and over and over again. Most scholars believe that Jesus lost his father at a, at a really, really young age because we don't see J uh, Joseph at the cross. We don't see him after he's about 12 years old. We don't know what happens, but we know he's out of the picture, and most scholars believe that he lost his father at a really difficult time. He felt lost. He had a lot of financial troubles. He was not a rich man. Uh, he was, uh, most people would say in, in, in Matthew chapter 8, it says this, foxes have hole and birds nest and but the Son of Man, Jesus, has no place to lay his head. Like, he, most people believe that Jesus was homeless. People, people, Jesus was attacked by people spreading vicious rumors about him. You ever been there? Jesus was, was continually judged by religious people. Over and over and over again, judged by religious people. Jesus had moments of loneliness and deep sorrow, exhaustion and weeping. Like we see in, in John eleven thirty five that Jesus wept, but there's other times. And I love what Hebrews 13, 8 says this, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here's what I believe. I believe the same Jesus who wept at the tomb of Lazarus, like when we are in despair. If he's the same yesterday as he was today and ever, I believe he feels that pain when we go through it. He had dear friends, dear friends pass away. His friends were a joke sometimes. They left them in times of crisis, betrayed him, turned their backs on him. His family thought he was crazy at certain points of his life. He was misunderstood. He was falsely accused. He bled. He died. He was physically abused. He was mocked. He was spit on. He was, he, he was shamed. He was embarrassed. He was called names. He died. And in his final breath, he forgave everyone of everything they did for him. The reason it's important that Jesus was a man, here's the thing. He understands what we go through on the day in and the day out. He gets it. He's walked in those shoes. He understands our pain. You see, Jesus, I love it, that he wasn't distant. Like he wasn't this God that just stayed away. No, he came. 
He came here close to us and, and put on flesh, became a man so that he could give his life for us. He didn't just stand back and say, well, Brian, you're going to have to figure this out on your own, man. You've done so many things in this life, like you're just going to have to figure out how to get to heaven. You're going to have to figure out how to, how to work this out for yourself. But Jesus comes and says, no, I'm going to help you in your brokenness, and I'm going to help you in your pain, and I'm going to help you fix and clean yourself up. He came. He left heaven for, for pain and sorrow and blood. He came to die. We serve a God who became like us to save us. We serve a God who became like us so he could save us. And the last thing we need to talk about is this, that, and I think it's a lot easier to talk about, is that Jesus was fully God. All through Scripture, Jesus says, he, he, he announces pretty much, that's the reason, remember he said when he was put on the cross, he announces that he is God. Like he announces that he's God's son all through the Scripture. And I want to read one Scripture uh, in, in, importantly in, um, in Colossians here. And I want to look at this real quick. And here's what it says. It says, the Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. It goes on. Jesus is before all things and in all things. And in all things, he holds it together. He is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning of the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. He goes on to say this in 19, For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It points out really clearly here that Jesus was around. It's, you can't, a man could not be around at the time when creation, before creation happens. He had to be fully man and fully God. It talks about his preeminence and he was first and he, he ruled in verse 15, 17, and 18. It says that Jesus existed before all things like he is, always has been, and always will be. It talks about that he was the creator. It talks about he's a sustainer, that he's holding all things together, and there's no man that can do that. I can barely hold my life together sometimes. And he's holding it all. With this beautiful picture of who Jesus is. And the last part we want to read here is 21. It continues to talk about what Jesus did then on the cross. You were once alienated from God. We were enemies in your minds because of our behavior. But now Jesus has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight. Like no longer do we have blemishes. We're, we're free from accusation. And if we continue in our faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that it has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So why is this so important? Why is it so important that Jesus was fully God and fully man? The reason this is so very important, thankfully, that Jesus was both fully human and fully God. You see, if he had only been fully human, then his death would do nothing to help us. If Jesus was just a man, 
then the death of the fully human Jesus would soon be forgotten. And we'd need somebody else to reconcile us and fix our relationship with God. If he's just a man, he would be forgotten about, but he's not been forgotten about. In a hundred years, no one will know my name. In a hundred years, no one will know my name. Because I'm just a man. But here's the thing, for thousands of years, the name of Jesus has been praised because he was not just a man. You see, if Jesus had only been entirely God, he could not have died for us. We needed someone on our level that would be, in fact, that Jesus was fully human and fully God. That makes him this, that he can be our Savior. That he's both of those things. We need both of those to have salvation in Jesus Christ. Jesus was and is compassionate. He was moved to tears. God was moved to tears. He felt pain. He understands your sorrow. And God came and took on flesh. And he went to the cross. And now we have a Savior. Jesus is fully God. He's fully man. It's a beautiful, beautiful union here. That means so much to us. And if you've never made Jesus your Savior, I would love, love, love to talk to you more about what that means. And about how do we follow this Jesus. Because that's what we're called, called, called to do. I'm going to pray. And if you'll hang right where you're at, we'll go to our groups in just a minute. Father, thanks so much for tonight. Thank you for tonight. This is, tonight's a little heavy. It's, sometimes it's hard to put our, it's really hard to wrap our mind around. But God, it's clear in Scripture that you were both. You were fully man, and you felt pain and sorrow and, and laughter and joy. At the same time, you were fully God. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on our behalf, to be the perfect sacrifice for us, to be perfectly a man and perfectly God and, and put yourself on the cross to save us. God, we thank you that you understand what we walk through. You understand our storms. You understand our tears. You understand our questions. And God, we thank you that you're our Savior. We thank you for who you are, Jesus. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.